Episode three, we're doing it. The hat trick. You got three in a row on this lovely, lovely, lovely April day. Well, it's it's April in case you're listening to this in the future. It's probably a, a fine month, uh, April 2019. Um, nothing crazy notable has happened yet. Um, hopefully I'm making that claim in advance and, and that will stand the test of time. But knowing my luck, I'm going to have to edit this uh, at a later date and maybe do a caveat. Either way. Hey, I'm Phil Toronto. I'm your host, New York City-based investor. Um, I love brands. I love snack foods. I love fitness. I love a bunch of stuff, just manifesting things into the universe, like my buddy Charlie and Drama say. Throwing that out there, good stuff might come to me. Um, Today, we have one of my friends from the food world, Wilson Tang of Namwa Tea Parlor. His family has had an iconic New York City brand, Uh, Since the 50s, he covers the story of his early foray into entrepreneurship. He dipped his toe back into the corporate world twice, hated it. I don't think there's going to be a third time. He seems pretty set on his path for growing his empire and his family's empire and expanding into different business areas that just are super compelling and and the sky's the limit for him. And I, I can't wait for you to hear the episode because he gets pretty fired up and If you know me and you're starting to know me, I love dumplings. So it's just plain and simple as that. Namwa has some phenomenal dumplings, so you should definitely check out any of their units, which you will find out on the episode. That is in the biz what they call a restaurant. And Namwa has multiple units, which you'll learn. So I'll shut up now until you hear me introduce Wilson again uh, when the episode kicks off, and I'll just let you enjoy. Here we go. Episode three of the Tartar Project. I have Wilson Tang with me. Hello. I'm very excited. He's got a pretty cool story. He's also been building and his family's been building a pretty iconic brand here in New York and hopefully expanding ideally worldwide. I think it, it definitely translates. No moi. Uh, we met just by chance, actually, at one of my favorite breakfast locales. I'll post up, do some work. He was there with a buddy, Brandon. Brandon, yes. Just I remember that. Doing yeah. work. Yeah, uh, yeah. Talking about other expansions into your, to your empire. Yeah. Uh, Brandon was kind enough to make the introduction. I geeked out a little bit. A, because Wilson has a phenomenal Instagram account. Uh, Dim Sum NYC. Wow. The giving, OG. Giving me the plug right just here. Just trying to plug you as much as possible. Yeah. You have a lot of fun stuff to talk about. And uh, became friends from yeah, there. I, You know, I... I you just reminded me how how we met. It's, it was almost very natural for us to kind of just get along. You know, Definitely. we're both um, young-ish. Yeah, ish. <laughs> uh, we're in, Definitely we're, at heart. Yeah, we're into we're into food. We're into sportswear, a uh, 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 men's lifestyle wear. We're into tech. So it, I think it was very natural that uh, we, we yeah we we got along right yeah. away. So awesome! I'm I'm actually super excited to be um, part of this uh, Tartar podcast. Um, you know, number three, of course. Um, I'm up there, uh, top ten, right? Hell yeah! So super excited. You're to be definitely talking. in the top three guests <laughs> of all time at fire, this point. Fire, top three. The easy, the layup question: Where were you born, and and, and where are you from? Yeah, so I'm I'm a native New Yorker. Um, I was born and raised in Chinatown. Um, my my parents, of course, were immigrants. Uh, came in the '70s. 
we we basically just stationed in Chinatown, like most uh, first generation Chinese um, Chinese immigrants. Uh, we, we my parents moved into Chinatown because that was what they were familiar with. Uh, people spoke the language, the culture, the food. And um, I, I spent my first couple of years in Chinatown, and, and by the time grade school hit, um, we had moved to Queens. And moving to Queens was, to my folks, like moving to the burbs, you know, like they, that was the American dream for them. It was, you know, white picket fence, you know, a yard so I can play. And at that, at that point, 30 some odd years ago was uh, Ridgewood, uh, Queens. Uh, which which wasn't a great place back then, but it's 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 uh, hipsterville now. Yeah, um, so you were just early. yeah, we were we were early um, moving moving into into Queens. But um, yeah, I spent um, a large part of my um, youth growing up in Queens. I went to school, a uh, grade school in Queens. I went to high school at Christ the King uh, in Middle Village, Queens. And it wasn't really until college I came back to Chinatown and went to. Uh, college at Pace University um, by in City Hall uh, by City Hall um, and growing up it was um, I, I took that L train um, you know from Ridgewood into into Manhattan and and the weekends were always in Chinatown um, I remember going to you know visit my uncle Wally at the restaurant we would do our grocery shopping so back back then it was the only Chinatown um, growing up in the 80s and uh, we would get our groceries, we'd, we would do the dim something, I would go to Chinese school on the weekends, similar to like what I'm doing now with my kids. So it's, it was um, a, a routine of sorts uh, growing up. My, my dad had um, businesses in Chinatown, so you know, we're, we were in Chinatown a lot. Definitely. And when you say businesses, it just it spanned industries or, or what, what did that look like? So I, I think as, as, you know, as, as, um, as, a child of uh, first-generation immigrants um, that didn't have a college education, that didn't have um, just knowing English, right? Um, going into food service was a natural progression for my pops. So he came here in uh, in '74 and started working in restaurants, and then and then graduated to running a uh, Chinese food distribution. So he would sell stuff to Chinese restaurants. So like it would be chicken, canned oyster sauce, vegetables. So he, that's how he um, wrapped up his career. Um, he's like 70 now, um, but he ended his career um, in Chinese food distribution in Chinatown. Amazing. Yeah, and, and my mom was always in, in banking. So my mom had a little bit of an education in Hong Kong and spoke English and uh, worked at um, a Chinese bank here in, in uh, Chinatown and then kind of just worked the circuit of Chinese banks um, in Flushing and then uh, back in Chinatown until, until retirement as well. Very cool. And would you say that you had the entrepreneurial bug relatively early? Did you pay a lot of attention to dad's businesses? Were you even involved in dad's businesses? And Absolutely, that your mom I was doing. Yeah, so like my dad was very instrumental to who I am today. Um, you know, I, I remember very early on working at his distribution joint, like pushing the hand truck of rice and like Napa cabbage, like outside to the uh, to the to our customers who are loading up their trucks or their like cars and they're driving back to their little Chinese takeout in Queens or Staten Island. And I, I did that for a while. Like at, at, at one point he had like a little supermarket and I would stock the shelves, um, but never, never really at the restaurant. Cause like my, my parents never, 
never thought that restaurant work was appropriate. It was just a means to an end. So we, they kept us away, kept me away from the restaurant. But uh, any sort of like summer job, like I would be at my dad's place, like working, um, making like a little pocket money to spend. Yeah. And I, I think that's where I got my bug for business and entrepreneurship. Interesting. And what would you say, what was your first business or, or side hustle or, or what have you? So I, I for me, um, I've had side hustles all my life. Um, you know, even in grade school, it was selling baseball cards to, you know, working, you know, weekend jobs to, um, you know, I was washing cars at one point um, in, during, during summer break. Um, but I always had like a part-time job. I, I worked at my mom's like bank at one point, like delivering mail. Um, but yeah, always, there was always some sort of hustle, always some sort of trying to make some extra cash to like buy sneakers or to buy new, new sweatshirts or like clothes. Um, but I, I, that was very early on for me. Like as, as I, I remember in New York, um, you're able to work with like this blue workers, uh, work card. And I, I got that right when I turned 16 to, to start working and, uh, it, I've never stopped since. And, um. Working hard is, is, is in my DNA. I definitely agree with that. Yeah. You're doing something to further your brand in some way, shape, or form. And I say that in the most positive of ways. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. it's really admirable. Um, and it's, it's fun. really fun. It's fun, yeah. yeah. yeah super fun. <laughs> definitely. It, especially just you can lump so much into what air quotes work actually is. Yeah. So that is really probably freeing in and of itself. Totally. Um, you know, I... I you know, being a, a um, you know, my, my parents always put value in going to school and um, I, I got my, my certificate, my, my, uh, my, uh, Piece of paper. Yeah, my paper, my diploma. <laughs> and I remember, you know, working in corporate America for, for the first two, three years of my career. And like, I really just hated it. And um, even at that time, like on the weekends, I would always try to find something else to do or something to sell. And, um, you know, it was three years into the corporate world where I kind of pivoted into, you know, I was talking to my dad. I'm like, man, you know, like this really sucks. You know, every morning I'm putting on like a suit and tie, like taking the subway, trying to get there by nine o'clock. And, uh, you know, you leave at five and you're, you're essentially pushing one pile of paper from one stack into another, you know, looking at your clock. When is it? When is it lunchtime? When is it? it when, when is it five o'clock? And I did that for a while. And I'm like, man, this really, this really stinks. And like, I asked my dad, like, give me some advice. And he's like, you should open like a, like a coffee shop. And you know, you'll be like selling water and like, you'll definitely make money. And this was like 2007. And at that point, I, I had a friend that whose dad was in like the bakery business. Um, and, and they're in California. I'm like, oh, perfect. I'm going to move to California for a couple of months and like learn the business. And part of it was, was that, but part of it was also just to kick it and, yeah. and have fun. Get out in California. Yeah. yeah. And like, I, I kind of, I, I, I often say that like, I have this layback kind of attitude was because of my time in California. And um, I, I loved it. You know, I spent almost a year in, in San Francisco and I, I worked at a bakery. I, I lived in San Jose. I, I had a car and I was just driving up the, the, 10, the 101 freeway to, to, into San Fran to, to go to work at this bakery. 
And I uh, did that for a year and I, I came back to New York and my dad helped me open this kind of cafe, like a Chinese bakery with like pastries and like we would have some rice dishes and coffee, tea, etc. And that was my really first taste of like business, like real deal business, like dealing with all the bureaucracies and like, the you know, IRS and the the, the DOH yeah. and like all of that FDA. stuff. Yeah, yeah all, all, all of that nonsense. And um, I loved it. I loved it. And I was, I was um, in my early 20s crushing it. And I had like an epiphany. I'm like, man, like working restaurants is such a grueling life. I had gained like over 40 pounds. I was like a 38 size waist. And because, you know, it's always early morning, late nights. You're, you're working all day. Fight for sleep yeah, when you can. Yeah, and like you're, at that point I was still young. I'm still trying to like date date and like hang out with chicks and like do my early 20 thing and I did that for three years and like it was just doing enough just doing well enough that I had to be there all the time and like if I were to hire someone extra to help like then it would be like uh we didn't we kind of it's like borderline and I'm like you know what this is not what I want at this time so I ended up just we sold the business and I went back into corporate America. I, I went back to work for this uh, online bank um, called ING Direct. Um, and they had, it was new back then. It's not new anymore, but, you know, 10 years ago, it was pretty yeah. cool where you had internet banking and, like, there was a cafe component. I'm like, hey, I'm perfect for this. I've got the, the finance. Ran a cafe. Yeah, yeah I, I, I had this background in the finance, and I, I have a background in serving coffee. I'm like, this is, this is for me. Layup. And yeah, layup. And I s submitted my resume, hired right away. And at that point, they were, they were the title sponsors for the New York City Marathon for numerous years. I'm like, oh, awesome. I'm just gonna start running. Cause like, it'll be fun. Like I can lose weight and like get back into the swing of things. And you know, that was over 10 years ago. And like, I've done over 10 marathons now. That's um, insane. I did not know the number. Yeah, and just based wow. on that, based on that one moment in my life where I, I pivoted back into like a, a nine to five, essentially in a, in a bank with, with a, in a cafe component. But that started, that kind of kickstarted me into running and like, I'm still running now. And, um, and then, Aside from the running, you know, I did, you know, like a half Ironman. I've done a bunch of different triathlons, and that really got me back in shape. Uh, got cleared my head, reset you Re from reset. the forty pounds yes. that you yeah, would put on. So like, the I'm, cafe. I was back from a thirty-eight waist. I was down to like a thirty-two, like like lean, and, yourself. yeah, lean and mean. You know, ready dating, for, yeah, dating and married to her now, my my wife May, um, that I met when I started working at ING. And uh, we're married now, two kids, um, and it was it was very serendipitous for me. Um, so after after we after I did that part of my career, um, the whole Namwa thing came up. My my uncle Wally, who is um, like in his eighties now, um, was like, "Hey, I, I know you had like experience working in a cafe and you didn't like it, but hey, w would you like to try again? Like we've you know this restaurant, if you don't." If you don't, you know, if you don't do it, then we, we might need to sell it. And I remember him pitching me, like, we can make this really fancy, like, nice, like, shiny. 
And I look, I'm like, no, I, this is like iconic New York. And like, it's just a little unpolished. Like, yeah. you just gotta like put some elbow grease in it. And it, it's, it, it reminds me of like a Russ and Daughters. It reminds me of like a cat's delicatessen. It's got these like old, very charming, old school look and feel to it. I'm like, no, I, I, I want it just like this. And that's how the whole Namwa thing started. Um, and that's super interesting. And that's one of the reasons I got really excited when Brandon just introduced us and yeah, told yeah. me that that's what you do, Namwa. And I got really excited because to me, it's definitely one of the iconic New York places. It's a staple. It's it's a destination spot. Yeah, and yeah. it's just super exciting. Yeah. So, you know, that was 2010 uh, into 2011. And um you know, I always had this thought of all day dim sum. And, and for those who don't know what dim sum is, it, it's, it's essentially, I always uh, refer it to Spanish tapas. It's like small plates, you know, meant for sharing. You kind of go with a bunch of people, you pig out, you order a bunch of stuff, and you, you just chill and you eat. Uh, works with some, like a couple of bottles of wine, uh, works with some beer, and you just have a good time. And, but it was usually done uh, traditionally, it's like a breakfast, lunch, brunch. And um, I always thought, like, hey, you know, like this can be done for dinner too. And we expanded the, 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 the time frame for this breakfast, lunch, brunch service into an all-day affair. And like, and like my dad thought I was flipping out. It's like, who's going to eat dim sum at night? I'm exactly. Like, I'm like, it's not part of the culture. Yeah, it's not part of the culture. And I, I'm like, I, I just have a good feeling about this. And like, I think I can kind of market it in a way where it's acceptable and like we added some like larger plates like large plates of rice noodles um vegetables and like now you can do little things you can do a couple of big things and a couple of little things and it's like a mix and match and that really um that really catapulted the uh the business into like an all-day kind of uh affair versus when my uncle was running it it was like seven to three and then three o'clock all the neighborhood uh, dim sum chefs would come to his spot to like relax, play cards, hang out, hang out. It was like a social, Community. yeah, social club. But we kind of marketed in a way where it's all day dim sum, and um, it was a hit. It was a hit, and I haven't looked back since. And I, th I think Chinese food and Chinese food culture has has really changed in the past decade, and. Um, now, now a lot of people, not a lot of places are doing it the same way. But I always say, like, I was a, the pioneer in, in that in that world. Like, Definitely to doing, it, to doing it all day. That makes sense. Yeah, and it's kind of exciting because you're at the forefront of introducing these staples in Chinese cuisine to now. I mean, you have an international yeah, client base yeah. uh, or, mm -hmm. or restaurant goer base. Yeah, I'd say. absolutely. And you know, the, the just how the internet has has evolved in the past 10 years has really been unreal. Yeah. Absolutely. And just to back up a little bit, Uncle Wally. Yeah. When did he first open the restaurant? There, There's some history to yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. So, so the restaurant um, has been open since 1920. Um, um, the original family, the Choi family, had owned and operated the, the, the restaurant. Uh, my my uncle started working there in 1950, um, so he was one of the first waves of immigration. Um, through um, you know they were just trying to bring people in in the early 1900s with the the railroad and uh, slowly but surely like chi the Chinese moved into the East Coast. So he was like one of the early early waves of Im immigration, and he he started working there as like a dishwasher and uh, slowly graduated like 
position by position, front of house, back of house. He kind of knew every position. And in 1974, he he bought the business and the and the premise of the, the building from the from the Choi's and uh, ran it until I, I took over. And uh, so he had a really good run, like 60 years. Absolutely. Um, and he saw all sorts of um, like stuff, you know, oh, like I from, <laughs> from like the triads of the 80s to, you know, just to um, you know Nixon opening free trade um, and and. You know his products, his product line no no longer being relevant because he was making a lot of stuff that was good, but like the stuff coming in from China and Hong Kong were better, mm-hmm. and um, so there was a lot of up and down. And you know, nine eleven was a was a thing where like um, the, you know the the community went through a lot of adversity because it was so close to the, the the towers. So just a lot of ups and downs, and he's seen he's seen it all. And uh, you know we're we're on Boyer Street. It's it's a very like kind of crooked, narrow street in in the heart of Chinatown. And you know in in the eighties and nineties, just a lot of like a gang activity. And um, but you know he's he he got through all of that. And um, you know the place is still here and and uh, surviving, thriving. And uh, you know I'm I'm the next next in line and and looking forward to more. That's amazing. Yeah. And so. You take over Namwa. Mm-hmm. What your first moves? Extend the hours. Extend hours. All day menu, alcohol, beer and wine, um, and just a good way of introducing what the the food is. And you know, and I and for me it was it was I, I'm kind of like a yes guy. So any, anyone that wanted to talk about it, I'm like yes. You know, New York Times, yes. Daily News, yes. Da- New York Post, yes. And and that's really kind of how it it it. So the, the the place has so much history, and I remember in 2011 when we reopened, relaunched, I had met a girl, a woman, a Gretchen, who who worked for Daily News at the time, and like I had started like my first instinct back in 2010 was like you know I got to make a Facebook page for this restaurant and document like the re the reopening, and like she found me on on. On Facebook, like, oh hey, I used to come to your restaurant. My dad used to bring me when I was like eight years old, and he was in like law school. Like his grand, her grandfather was in law school in New York, and it was like a, a thing for them. Like back in the day, say, hey, when you open, let me know. And this is all through Facebook. I'm like, yeah, of course. So yeah, I work for Daily News, and lo and behold, I I I, I told him, hey, we're reopening in like three weeks. She's like, all right, I'm gonna send like a. Like a a, a a photographer and and a reporter to write a story. I'm like, oh, okay, awesome. And then in February, in February when we opened, like there you, there you have it. There was like a two page spread. Like I'm wow. like I'm like standing there with my hands like crossed, like looking slick, and um, and that that just brought the waves of people back back in. And like I remember stories like, hey, you know, like look at this table. It's like four generations, like grand, the grandfather, the son, like the, the grandkids. Part of people's lives. Yeah, part of people's lives. And I'm like, wow, the, the restaurant has so much history that like just a little bit of press, like, wow, it was like, it was crazy. Definitely I mean, when powerful. We, yeah, when we opened, it was like, wow, I came here 50 years ago, 40 years ago, 30 years ago. And like all walks of life, like really on the relaunch. And it was honestly through Facebook like that first one connection like if I'm tracing it all back like it was that one connection that got me into that first piece of press that shout out to Gretchen yeah yeah shout her out (laughs) and then it was 
you know, New York Times with the tw- at that time it was a 25 and under uh, with Lagaya uh, Mishan, who was a who's a reporter, and then it just kept going, and I'm like, yes, 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 and um, I was I was like kind of the ambassador for for my neighborhood, for my community, and for 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 our food culture. And so, to this day, I, I would argue that you could be named the mayor of Doyer Street. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. I I mean like. I, I would love for me to have a successor, um, but I, I definitely hold that title down on on the on the on the block. I got that block. Got to hold the down. crown tight. Yeah, yeah, for sure. That's right, for sure. So it's it's been a really good ride. Um, you know, I'm on my ninth year. Um, we're approaching our hundred year anniversary tw- in twenty next year, twenty twenty. So we have a lot in the pipeline. Um, you know, we're we're currently writing a cookbook. Amazing. Um, we are currently um, working on expansion in Asia, which is which is fascinating in itself because, you know, I see myself as a American Chinese brand or Chinese American brand because, you know, I I'm as Chinese as I am American, um, and I've I've got this foot in both worlds, so I can relate either way. And for me to, to be a brand in America, to open up shop in China, which we're doing, um, it's, it's mind-boggling on how cool, weird, exciting it is at the same time. Because, you know, China is China, U.S. is U.S., but, like, we're an American Chinese brand going back into China. It's like, whoa, what's going on? Yeah, let us show um, you what we've been yeah, doing in the yeah. U.S. <laughs> yeah, so it, it's, been, it's been very, very exciting the past couple of months and you know, along with the uh, hundred year celebration, the um, expansion in Asia, you know, we're working on our own expansion in 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 the U.S. in New York and Philadelphia, uh, potentially uh, down to Florida even. And I, I feel that we have a very consistent product, and um, you know, we have a we have a very large fan base now, and uh, we're we're working very hard to try to perfect that. Uh, the, the product into where we can scale it into 10 stores, 20 stores. And that's a project that we're also working on in Philadelphia where we're building out a, a, a 25,000 square foot uh, processing uh, plant to, to make these dumplings and, and uh, pot stickers and, wow. and stuff uh, with, by hand and by machine. So you know, I, have a, I have a trip to China very shortly to check in on, on our uh, first unit. In, in Shenzhen, China, and uh, also gonna go and buy some equipment like those big commercial grade like mixers. Oh and, yeah, and um, refrigeration and big like, leagues. Uh, yeah, ovens um, to really try to learn how to scale and um, potentially open a couple of more stores in, on the East Coast. And when you say check in on the unit, uh, does that mean the actual restaurant location or the potential location in China, or does that mean a piece of machinery that you're engineering for this process? Oh no, I, it's an actual uh, unit, as in like a store. Like I, I talk units as like each, like because we have a few now, and like it's 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 a unit. It's Just a, it's lingo a, it's in the another, biz. Yeah, lingo in the biz, and it's like one. It's a it's, it's a store that we have a full full service restaurant um, that is opening in, in China very sh- very shortly. That's so exciting. Yeah, it's crazy. It's That's crazy. Nuts. Yeah. Will you have to go back and forth a fair amount? I I um will have to go back um in the beginning for for a few times, um which I'm happy to do. I I, I think um I haven't been into I haven't been to to Hong Kong or China for, in in 20 years. So 
Uh, I'm excited to go back and just kind of reconnect and and also like learn about food culture there because it's it's complete. It's another continent, right? And uh, I, I'm looking forward to like expanding my horizons and really soaking it all in and um, and potentially like maybe not the first trip, but down the line, like I can bring the kids, my, my wife, to, to kind of experience it together. Like we'll make some trips out of it. Definitely. Yeah, which will just be pretty cool. Along the lines of yeah. what you were saying before, where you just can fit so much into work, where it's almost like a workcation. Yeah, you know? yeah. I, and, and that's the life I have, you know, and I, I, I thoroughly enjoy it. You never work a day in your life. Yeah. Technically. <laughs> yes. That's what they say, at least. Well, you I definitely I, work. <laughs> <laughs> it's just how happy are you while you're doing it? For sure. And there's so much exciting stuff on the horizon. From 2011, when you took the reins over and the press is snowballing and everything, about what time would you say you were thinking, hey, this could be so much more than just this one unit mm-hmm. or uh, maybe we should branch out and maybe we should get into apparel and you're, you're doing a bunch of exciting things with the brand. When did that ideation start, would you say? So I... I, I think the apparel, so the apparel started way later. I, I, I think early on, um, I was so focused on just food and beverage. Um, I never looked into apparel. Uh, I'm like, we're, we're, we sell food. Like, why should we have, have shirts and like merch, right? And people kept asking for it. And then I'm like, all right, all right we'll make a t-shirt. All right, all right, we'll make a hat. And then that kind of just snowballed where like people were demanding it. It's like, hey, I need that. Like we, we actually, the story is we, we made like sweatshirts and t-shirts for staff and, and customers were actually trying to side hustle the staff for like their, their polo shirts with the logo on it. And I thought that was crazy. I'm like, okay, so why don't we just try to make, well, why don't we make a t-shirt and we made a t-shirt and like, we were selling out of them at the store. And I'm like, this is so wild. And like, I'm like, I don't want to carry inventory. Like, I don't need like... It's a complex part of the business yeah, I don't need. I don't need that. Like, I'm good, like on food and beverage, you know? And like, as in any New York establishment, like space is so valuable. And like, you know, where do you keep all this stuff? You know, like there's all these different sizes, like small, medium, large, extra large, double XL. And I was very against it and, and until just a couple of years ago when I'm like, man, I'm so into like streetwear right now. And like, that's such a big thing. And we started to do more. And uh, we, we did a collab. Um, well, we, we did a, a bunch of collabs. Uh, first with another local Chinatown guy, um, his brand called Psionic. And, and we, make, we made a t-shirt with him. And that was great. And then um, my, my buddy, um, Adam, um, Adam Lucas, um, or AKA Hanksy, um, street artist, was like, hey, we should do like a t-shirt collab or a sweatshirt collab. I'm like, yeah, let's do it. And uh, he's super nice guy. And I'm like, all right, let's make it happen. And we made yes, it happen. Man. Yeah, yes, sure. And we had a party and like, and people bought it. Like it was a $50, I'm like, hey, we, we serve dumplings man like you want to buy this $50 sweatshirt okay be my guest yeah be my guest thank you yeah thank you and um and that was a thing and I'm like okay well this is this is people are into this and our last collaboration uh, was with Rowing Blazers um and another 
big brand and uh, we we did just a very small capsule with them a couple couple of items and people were were drawn to it like just it, it's this iconic like it was just a picture of the storefront and our logo and uh, it was a $50 t-shirt I'm like man I got to do more right <laughs> so we we've we've kind of made a small pivot into like clothing um and it was mainly in the beginning to to make sure our customer our, our our employees were well branded like working and it snowballed into now we have a, a merch store and you can buy all this stuff on our website namwa.com uh you can hit on the shop link uh paypal we take paypal <laughs> just wondering if there could potentially or if there is now a Tartar Project discount code. Oh, oh, absolutely. Amazing. Absolutely. So I'll, I'll link that yeah, in the yeah, show notes for absolutely, sure. Yeah. We'll make sure we put that into like uh, the coupon code, right? Amazing. Yeah. And um, yeah, so that's been, you know, we're, as we gear up into our 2020 centennial anniversary, we are kind of looking for these partnerships going forward. And um, I'm excited about it. I, 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 I never knew like that part, this like apparel and and hoodies and t-shirts were such a thing, but who knew? I, I'm, I'm in the apparel business now, um, making merch yeah. for, for our restaurant. Here we are. Yeah, it's, and it's I mean, crazy. this most recent collaboration, like you were saying with Rowing Blazers, it was it was a big deal. I mean, yeah. you yeah. had you had a launch event during Fashion Week in yes. New York. Yeah. It's a thing. Yeah, I mean, it was covered by like, you know, like Hypebeast and High, High Snob. It was, it, was, it was covered, like it was, it was a, it was a thing. I mean, it's got to be so exciting. Yeah, it just, was super cool. And like, this is stuff that I never thought would, I mean, we're, we're just a restaurant in Chinatown, you know, like who knew? Right. Yeah. That, that merch would be a thing. And it, it makes sense. Just like you were saying, people have, and it, it's not all the people that are buying your merch, but they have this connection with Namwa yeah. and it's there's history, there's community, and of course you're going to be able to build a bunch of different business units off of that legacy. So yeah, that's super yeah. exciting. Yeah. So we we have some cool stuff in the in the in the pipe pipelines, and uh, I, I I can't wait to like do more. That's exciting. Yeah. And in the vein of, of business areas that you didn't think you were going to be able to take the brand, is there anything? in the hopper that you can talk about that's kind of on deck that's maybe a new yeah. industry or a new oh, branch we, out that you're doing so i i you know we or even not like whatever yeah, we, whatever i mean exciting. like the next thing that's exciting we we are opening another unit um or a store um in the uh essex crossing project so it's um it's kind of like a food hall um with a lot of built-in components there's a you know there's a movie theater there's a trader joe in there uh, it's really where the Lower East Side meets Chinatown. And I thought that was a perfect place for us to be. Uh, we've been experimenting with, you know, just because like uh, real estate prices are so expensive in New York, we've been experimenting with working in the smallest footprint possible. Uh, and we're, we're, we're perfecting that, you know, through technology and, you know, ordering um, on, an app, on, a, uh, on a tablet to kind of offset like the labor costs uh, streamline our processes to make things faster and easier f on, on the staff. And um, because we have like a centralized kitchen, we're able to really just bring in all our product and kind of just cook on premise. And that's all we need to do. So we, we, we've perfected it in Nolita. Uh, we, we had a good case study in the Canal Street market, um, which we're, we're no longer there, but that was a good test for us. 
And uh, our next un- our next store in the Essex Crossing will have that. You know, we're in like 250 square feet, the smallest. Wow, um, that's footprint. tight. Yeah, f- 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 smallest footprint of all the stores. But that that's the model that that I want to really perfect, and I want to be able to pop off in like a college campus, in even like a gas station. Definitely. You know, like something small. And it's got like a couple of, um, uh, you know, like a fryer and like a steamer and like. It could be like a two or three man operation and we just send the stuff in um, through freight or like overnighted or, or, or what, however we need to like courier the, the, the food over and just just cook. Make use of that Philly yeah. facility. Yes, yeah. So that that's what's on deck. Um, you know, of course, a China location uh, and really just, you know, perfecting our, our, our business model and trying to grow a couple more units and, uh, seeing if we can find strategic partners to, to really grow nationwide. Amazing. Yeah. But we have to take care of the, uh, the heart of the business first, which is the, 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 the the new central kitchen that we're building out in Philadelphia. It's going to be the hub. I mean, it's going to be your lifeblood for the most part. It's, it's, it's big enough. It's got like a loading dock. It's got all the bells and whistles. And this has, and not to be a Debbie Downer or anything, and, and the answer might be no. Was there any point from when you took over in 2011 where you kind of looked in the mirror and things were getting super hard and you thought to yourself, like, shoot, maybe this isn't going to work? Anything you had to overcome in the meantime? Because it seems like an, an amazing trajectory, and that's incredible. But just just to kind of showcase for listeners that – not everything is up and to the right and that you pushed through and, and persevered and, and look at all you're accomplishing now. Yeah, I, I mean, like, you know, absolutely. Um, you know, I, I own all my mistakes and those mistakes are part of the growing process for me. It's it's almost like tuition. I'm paying tuition for these mistakes and I own them. Like, I just I just got to move move um, move past them. So like last last year, we closed two units or two stores, you know, one. One was a Canal Street Market uh, location, and the other one was a restaurant that I was working on uh, with another partner called Fung Tu, which we changed we change into a Namwa, uh, and it still didn't kind of work out. And it could be it could have been a million things: the location, the people, the not the right personnel. But you know, these are these are you know not everything is a home run, you know. And I but like all those losses, I own those losses, and I I can only take that experience like take that experience and really just educate people with that. Hey, this is what I've been through uh, and offer my advice or, or just kind of like how I, what, what happened, you know, and um, things like that happen, you know, like I think we're in a world where like we only show the good and Instagram. Yeah. Instagram is always the good stuff. You know, you never see the bad stuff, but like, Hey, you know, like my Instagram looks great. I, it I is look, very yeah, good. I look like I'm living the life, but honestly, like, you know, I work a lot of hours and like I have a family and like, you know, getting that work life balance is super hard. You know, I'm religious to my calendar and uh, it's not all like flowers and, 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 you know, candy, you know, every day, you know, it, it really is. Um, it's not, it's not for everyone, the, the, the work that I do. Um, but yeah, like the, the losses happen and like, they're going to continue to happen. You know, I, we're, and we're just human, so like mistakes are normal, and but we need to learn from those mistakes. And and I, I honestly think um, 
finding good people or working with good people is very important for me now and then finding the right collaborators so like these mistakes or like the margin of error is is, is lessened but like they're, they're always going to be here and I, I think that goes for any any type of business um, the losses are there um, it's just how you overcome those losses which is the which is the challenging part because you know maybe you blew your load and like that was that was it but you know it, it's it's a it's a balancing act on on how much to put out, how much to hold back. And, um, you know, each person takes it, uh, can deal with it differently. Um, but I'm pretty, like, safe. Like, if it, didn't, if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. Okay, we got we to gotta nip it in the bud and, and keep, keep going. That's awesome. Yeah. I think that's super important. And you touched on a lot of important traits and ideas, I feel, around being transparent and honest with yourself about when things aren't working owning the mistakes and just really pushing through and taking everything that you can out of that and not letting it slow you down and just being accepting of that because you can't change the past. You can't ever undo that mistake. You can fix it going forward, but you're never going to change what happened and you can only grow off of that. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's, you know, if you don't get anything from me, like that, that, that point is, is the most valuable, like mistakes, losses will happen you know like we live in this very fake world of everything is great but like there's also like a lot of bad stuff you know and and you got to be able to balance that definitely and just two things before i let you go pick up your kids i know that that's on the docket yeah, today. yeah yeah that's five o'clock you know that's in my calendar we're staring it <laughs> we're staring it down here on air max day yeah uh the first is do you have any guiding life motto or quote or just theme that you can apply to either a crossroads in your life or just that you try and live and die by? Um, I, I, I think for me is, is just practicing patience. Um, patience, I, I think we're in a day and age where we want everything yesterday. And we often forget, um, you know, just how to get there. And... I often have to remind myself, oh, wait, hold on, let's take it back a step and like kind of reorganize and figure it out before we press the go button. And um, if, if, if you can practice patience and kind of just, just not react so quickly, um, I think there is, um, and, and ask for insight, right? Like, hey, what do you think? And, and I think a lot of people have a hard time asking for help so patience and, and asking for help is, is, is two big things that I, I would tell people, you know, and like, and I think everyone has great ideas, but, you know, you need to talk to people to, to try to flush those ideas out and not just go with your gut instinct, because the last thing you want to do is just, I'm going to do it because I'm going to do it and not really scope it out. And then, then if the, the chances of failing are a lot higher. Definitely. Yeah. Be intentional. I, yeah. Be communicative. Uh, yeah. that's I butchered that, but that's yeah, that's but okay. yeah, but um, the communication is is vital, especially as a as a business grows. Like if there's no transparency, it's it's very hard to um, be successful. Amazing. Yeah. And last thing before you go, where can people find you? What what can you plug to the loyal Tartar listeners? <laughs> so we we currently have three locations in the New York Philadelphia area. Uh, two relatively close, um, you know, of course, the OG in Chinatown and our um, our first fast casual um, offshoot uh, in Nolita, Namwa Nolita on Kenmare Street. Um, so there are those two are relatively close. Um, you know, of course, we have a, 
a, a third New York location opening this summer at, at the Essex Crossing um, by the Williamsburg Bridge on the Manhattan side. Look out for that this, this uh, summer. And uh, we have another full sit down in um, the, 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 the city of brotherly love in, in the Chinatown of Philadelphia on 13th Street. And, um, you know, hopefully open now, open. Yeah, open. All, so all three of those are open, um, you know, where I, I think I think our next goal is really to tackle our our 100 year centennial anniversary. And I want to make I want to do a big, big um, blowout, you know, uh, celebration, um, you know, a give back component to to my community. Uh, and and after we get the um, the central kitchen like worked out, then we can kind of work on more units or, or stores uh, strategic, you know, along with either um, the real estate or buy, buying the real estate would, would be the, the next move for us. Exciting. And in terms of social media, since it does play a pretty big role in your current life and just the starting of the business, where can people find you and Namwa? So um, we're simple. Uh, it's at Namwa, N-O-M-W-A-H. Um, that's our, our main store. At, at Namwa Nolita is our, is our offshoot. And at Namwa Philadelphia is our Philadelphia location. Me is uh, Dim Sum NYC, at Dim Sum NYC, yeah. One of the best handles of all time. <laughs> thank you. So exciting. <laughs> Thanks. Wilson, thank you so much for doing this and taking time out of your day. The story's amazing. I hadn't gotten the full version, so that was really exciting for yeah, me. Thanks for having me, man. It's a pleasure. So it all started on Doyer Street, as you heard. Iconic, iconic brand, a staple that means a lot to many people in New York City and across the world. Wilson is working on it just expanding his empire. It's super exciting. Um, I'm really proud of the growth that he's had both as a human being and just in the business world. And it's a pleasure just to just call him a friend. Um, he's, he's definitely one of the real ones, as they say. Um, but thank you again for listening like comment five stars on itunes hit me up on instagram at phil toronto tell your friends about the tartar project post in your stories post it in your feed that you're listening i like my cover art i'm pretty jovial in it as you'll see that's a smile that was a legitimate smile captured by tyler babin so thank you babin um and i just really appreciate you letting me do this and and, and having me in your ears for the past 45 minutes it genuinely means the world that you care enough to make it all the way through the episode so i'll catch you next week and thank you <laughs>